0: Alright, this morning as we prepare to get into our message, um, I will let you know this is a G-rated message. I know it's kind of in vogue for pastors to get up here and talk about sex. We say the word sex, and that brings people in from the streets to talk about sex. Have I said it enough for you yet? Uh, I'm not one of those shock jock pastors. Obviously I have no problem saying the word, oh you do. Okay, alright, so now I know a little bit more about my congregation. This is a G-rated sermon, we're not necessarily going that route. For those of you who are looking forward to it, there will be about 30 seconds of that and we'll, we'll keep you posted. Um, if you need, now we'll just move from that to, who needs a Bible? <laughs> if you need a Bible today, please raise your hand, our ushers will get you a Bible. So keep that hand up high, we've got one over here, Anybody else? And, alright, fantastic. This morning, as we get into this idea of romantic relationships, I just want to forewarn you. It's going to be a two-part series. Uh, Now the challenge is, what do I mean by romantic? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. But really what I'm trying to speak to is the idea that really affects everyone. It truly does affect everyone. So, as I look around the room, I'm going to look at... It's kind of bright right here. you um, going to look at Dave all the way back there in the dark in the booth. Dave, are you currently involved in a romantic relationship? Fantastic. That's good to hear. And the object of your desire's name is... That's fantastic to hear. Rachel. And uh, then I'm going to come over here to my nephew, uh, Devin. Devin, are you... Now... Don't worry. Your parents are in your room and you are my nephew. So if I didn't know about this, I uh, we're going to have a talk later. But are you currently involved in a romantic relationship? No. So see, Dave is in one. Devin's currently not. A, do you look forward to one? No. He says no. Okay, you can sleep during the sermon. All right, you got it. Imparto, in infacto, divideo, or whatever. All right. Uh, Let's go over here to my man, Cody. (laughs) Cody, are you in a romantic relationship? Fantastic. But I have seen you dressed up in a tux and in a limo, and there was a female companion there. What was that all about? That was prom. Right? Okay, so let's move on. Let's get over it. The man's entitled to go out every once in a while and rent a limo, apparently, and dress in a tux and spend a load of money. Um, Well done, buddy. You looked good in those pictures. Are you currently involved? You said no. Are you looking in the future, maybe distant, maybe not too distant, to be involved in a romantic relationship? Fantastic. Pay attention to these notes, buddy. All right. Roger Bensing. Why is everybody laughing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get this. Roger, are you currently involved in a romantic relationship? Years, yes. Woo! That's all that needs to be said right there. Listen, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to set the table that you may be single. You may be a widow or widower. You may be currently involved in a relationship. You may be divorced. You may be looking towards a relationship. This subject affects all of us. And so I want you to pay attention carefully. Look at it from the perspective that you're coming into this message. All right? Because this doesn't just factor into one dimension of relationship. And you'll see why. Um, you'll see, hopefully you'll see why by the end of the day. You'll definitely see why by the end of the second part of the series. Let's ask God to give us some guidance here. Father, we ask that as we examine this area that is challenging, that's difficult, that affects all of us, but it is so rewarding. Lord, we're going to have our, our concepts, our <laughs> proclivities towards the idea of romance kind of tossed up in the air here. And so give us clarity. Give me clarity of speech and let your word speak to our hearts So as to avoid unnecessary sorrow, unnecessary challenge, unnecessary difficulty. But that we might experience the great love that you have for us. Thank you, God. Speak. Amen. Well, so I needed to find romance. And I went to uh, the internet, because that's a great place to get definitions. It says that romantic, the word romantic means conducive to or characterized by the expression of love it's fantastic okay you guys all got that all right there's some three syllable words there some you'll catch up in eventually and you'll grasp that so what does that look like what does that mean uh let me just suggest this it, Some of us may think that romance is tight. And let me help those that are younger in the crowd. And maybe some of those who are in the midst of romance. Maybe some of those who are convinced romance is dead. I'm definitely going to shoot up in approval ratings with some of you who cannot stand my little cute sayings that I throw at my wife here all the time. And you just roll your eyes. These are men, by the way. Alright, so... You had me at. Hello. Notice it was all women <laughs> that finished that statement. One of the great romantic lines, right? Of all the bars in all the worlds. I had to walk into. I, I, I don't even know what that quote was. <laughs> I just wanted to see what you guys would say. There's a struggle for power up here. So, listen, my wife. Loves flowers, and uh, we were blessed when I when I first arrived here. We we came. We had sold our house down in Southern California, and uh, we made just enough money to pay off our our car loans and and uh, do a couple other things, and then go on a trip that we wanted to do for our tenth anniversary. And so the church was very gracious, and so uh, we went to Italy, and we stayed like. Fourteen thousand blocks away from the spanish steps and walked there and um no we were just above the spanish steps and so we went to the spanish steps it was very exciting it's the spanish steps and so it's supposed to be one of the most romantic places in the entire world and it's about 11 o'clock at night there's hardly anybody out there and we start walking down the spanish steps and the romance is in the air you know it's just it's palpable right and uh and as we start, a, 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 a gentleman, a kind-hearted gentleman with a rose walks up. And I'm thinking, how nice, he wants to give me a rose. No. So he starts speaking, and I'm going to spare you my Italian, because it's going to sound Irish. Okay? But he, he starts speaking, and, and, and starts pressuring me to buy a rose for her. And I'm like, no, 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 it, it's okay. And I know she loves flowers, but I'm like, ah, I, you know, this isn't, this is so we get down another four steps. Here comes Luigi over here from the right. Now he's got another rose. And he goes, ah, Bella Sarah, This is, I told you I wouldn't do it. This is for, you know, you got to do this, you know, or you are scum of the earth. You know, that kind of a thing, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, no, no more. And then we get like four more. And here comes, you know, Paco, because he's, he immigrated, okay? <laughs> here comes Paco from the left and he's got a what? A rose! So I'm like thinking Vulcan mind meld. I'm going to get you out of here or, you know, use the force or something. You are going to eat your rose. All right? Nothing. We just kept getting inundated. Now, those are very different roses than the ones I gave her when I proposed. She didn't save any of those roses because I didn't buy any of them for her. But when we went through the process of getting engaged, I mean, you talk about romance, Well, apparently we're not going to talk about romance. (laughs) Moving to point number two. Wow. No, no. Oh, I got the message. And I'm saving a lot of money on flowers from now on. We went out on a date, and at that point in time, I kind of knew, hopefully I kind of knew, that this was the woman God had for me. And so I gave her a rose, and I gave her a little bit of a, of a poem. And at the end of this poem, it says, on the seventh rose, I will what? See? See what I did there? Yeah, this is very cute. So now the clock is ticking. And so I went like two months, no roses. And, but do you think this rose means a lot to her? Absolutely it does. And so I give her this rose. And so then two months later, I gave her another rose. And she's going, at this rate, I'm going to be 43 by the time I get engaged. And so then she got another rose like a month later. And they're always different colors. And I've written something on all the stems. And each one has been perfumed and dipped in a love pot. No, none of that happened. But I gave her the rose. And, and so then she got like the fourth. And now we're at rose five. And so... Uh, what happened? Now, she's going she's gonna to correct the story, okay? So ask her later how I messed the story up. But as I recall, my strategy was to throw her off, right? So we're at rose number five. A friend of mine and a friend of hers, they're getting married. So we're already dressed up. We're in tuxes. And I had arranged for a dinner out of our friend's house later that night. And all of our friends are serving us dinner from the kitchen. And there's fire, and it's Christmas time. And, and so. Out with the first dish comes rose number five. And so she's thinking, oh, that's great. And now I've got like 18 more months. And so then with dessert comes rose number six. Yes. (laughs) Things get more interesting. And uh, so then we wrapped up the night and we leave the house and we're walking away. And we get all the way down to the gate. It's a huge house and it has this huge oak tree in the front. And I said, oh, I forgot something. I said, let's go back and let's just sit on the swing while I, while I get what I need. And what I had done is I had found the glass blower of the figurines at the Disney castle. I stopped him. I hunted him down and I threatened him and his life to make me. Now, I got arrested for about four months. No, none of that happened. Except I did find the, the guy that blows the glass figurines at the Disney castle. And he made me a crystal rose, custom-made crystal rose. And so I walk behind the tree. Now, all you men are going to kick me and beat me up after this, right? So I walk behind the tree and I come around and it's on this pillow And then I give her this crystal rose and propose. And it was just this great thing, except then an earthquake happened like 18 months later. And crystal roses don't last very well in earthquakes. But she still has the shards of (laughs) glass. Now, let me ask you a question. Those roses meant something to my wife. As opposed to the roses being peddled at her by Italian smelly men on the Spanish steps what is the difference romantic love isn't flowers and you had me at hello romantic love is legacy that's what it is that's your takeaway today all right romantic love is legacy and it's going to go far beyond just the issue of my husband my wife and you'll see that in a minute but let's address that a little bit you know just some of the challenges of truly knowing what this means and what it looks like there's a couple guys that may give us some insight to what i was talking about dave
1: men listen up we know year after year you find yourself struggling maybe trapped or even paralyzed by the daunting task of trying to figure out just how to treat your lady great on valentine's day it is time that we dare to be different men Desperate times call for desperate measures. So we got desperate, and we went where no man is welcome. We went to Pinterest.
2: Yes, gentlemen, we went to Pinterest. Don't judge us. Just listen. You may ask, why would you do such a thing? Why would you go to such a scary and overwhelming place such as Pinterest? Well, men, there's only one answer.
1: We did it for love. And you know what we found?
2: First, we saw a ton of pictures of Ryan Gosling.
1: Then, we saw a lot of pictures of houses and things in houses that we could never afford.
2: And then we found our wives' profiles and saw the things they are interested in.
1: Granted, most of them were craft projects, but we decided to give them a shot anyway.
2: This is what we have to show for ourselves. Evidently, after perusing my wife's Pinterest page, I discovered that she likes to repurpose things. So I went around town collecting dryer lint, and um, I took the lint and I wove my own yarn. And voila!
1: Why are you wearing it?
2: Because my wife never will. <laughs> Okay, what did you get? What did you get your life? Yeah, that is gross. What? What is that? No, it's a, it's a heart-shaped mug, you know? It represents our love. Oh, that's why you made it like a real live internal organ, so gross and lumpy? you fine, fine. Try, try?
0: It has
1: some, um, some structural integrity issues. I'm uh, mm-hmm. working on that. Mm-hmm. You know what? It doesn't matter. I tried. Alright, I went and I found stuff that my wife likes. I worked hard, I made her something, you know what? And I will give it to her. And yes, she will throw it away secretly and say that the kids lost it. But it doesn't matter, because I tried, and that's all that matters. I'm just gonna do the old No, well,
2: you don't. What? You broke my heart. And you're about to break your wife's heart, sir. You will not give her chocolate candies. You will fight for her love. First Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, it says, and I quote, love has no beginning, it has no end, it never puffs up, it never gives up when the going's rough. It's charity, it's sincerity, it's the littlest word you can say, by the way. Are you rapping, kind of? Why? Because Pinterest has me so messed up. What are you trying to say? (sighs) I'm trying to say that... I want to go all out with my love for my wife, just as Christ loved the church.
1: All right, that calls for sacrifice. Yes, Take exactly. Take off that sweater, huh? Take off that sweater.
2: Got like a little, creative little something to put you it in. You got it. Ah!
1: That had no resemblance of Christ's love, none. Now, if you will, sir. I have a date to get to.
2: That's not what we were talking about. I'll make it work.
0: So part of the challenge of knowing what love is and what we're talking about this morning is knowing what love isn't. And I don't make that up myself. I wish I could say I was brilliant enough to think through that. But Paul has actually covered that basis for us. And that's where we're going to be. You heard reference First Corinthians 13. And so go ahead and turn there in your scripture. It's towards the end of your Bible, middle of the New Testament, First Corinthians 13. And what's happening here is that there's a little bit of a conflict within a church. And it's really based out of competition, in 1 Corinthians 12, he speaks to the congregation about their practice of their spiritual gifts. And the, how many of you are task-oriented versus people-oriented? And that's kind of what he's speaking to. He says, the church has gotten into competition of their tasks and their abilities and the demonstration of those abilities, and it has created an opening for ugliness to creep in. And so right in the middle of chapter 12 to 14 which is a continuation on the idea of the gifts, he pauses and he stops and he says, listen, if I do all these incredible things, but there's no love involved, it's pointless. I want you to get a visual of a giant gong. The gong, was it had to be invented by somebody who had taken a hard fall on their head. Okay, that sound is, and I'm sorry all you percussionists, but it is just, it's not a pleasant sound but it makes a really noticeable noise. And so sometimes, when we make efforts to do things, even in love, and demonstrate love, women, sometimes you're really not helping your guy in understanding your love based off of what you're doing. Men, sometimes you're really not Helping her feel loved based off of what you're doing. For those that are looking towards those romantic relationships, let me just say this. You've probably got a list of what you want. Can I just encourage you? Why don't you take a list of what you think that future person wants? And why don't you work on that list on yourself? Until you so find that person. Because as you work on that in yourself, guess what? You are promoting what it is that they will be attracted to. For the individual that has suffered difficulty in relationship, that has been hurt in relationship, or estranged in relationship and love, and maybe there's a bitterness that has resided, that has encamped in your heart, Can I just encourage you that what you're about to hear is going to free you. I used to own a 72 Ford Pinto. Enough said. Predicated off of that car, I should never drive another automobile ever. You know? Just somebody hands me the keys for Ferrari. (laughs) Not interested. Been there, done that. No, you have not been there. And you have not done that. But we do that in relationship, don't we? So how do we overcome that? This passage helps us. But we've got to start on this concept and idea of... How do we deal with the issue of what love isn't? So let me speak to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recite the entire section 1 through 7. Follow along with me in your scriptures. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. And now we get into the section that has been macromade made onto so many wall plaques. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If you just listen to that and you heard it said to you and you're saying about your past romantic experience for those that have been damaged or hurt, and you say, I'm not going to give love a chance again, let me tell you that if the love that you were receiving was not the love that's described there, then you know not love. So be careful about judging it and staying at bay. This morning, I'm going to give you six different words that the Greeks had for love number one is agape. How many of you ever heard the word agape? Raise your hand. You guys are such good church people. You've all heard all about agape. Well, some haven't, so let me cover it. Agape love is the love that is often referred to as the love of God. But let's give it a little bit more definition, shall we? The, the, the best concise idea I can ingrain into your Your soul and your mind here is this idea of selfless love extended to strangers unconditionally. That's agape love. Eros, love. Now, what do you think this is? Okay, I'm going to even say that, you know, my man Dale over here with the bubble letters, um, you know, have you ever taken Greek? He's not taken Greek. What do you think that kind of love is, Dale? Eros. Sexual love. Very good. Yes. And so eros, and and, you you can extrapolate from your mind all the different words we get from that. Um, So eros love is another kind of love. And our society wants to equate all love sometimes in that fashion. That this is what it's like to experience romantic love. I would say that that's very short-sighted. As a matter of fact, the Greeks didn't fully embrace Eros. What's fascinating is that the Greeks saw it as dangerous. They saw it as a fire, a tumultuous fire that could burn you because it could get out of control easily. Does that sound like our society? I don't know. Let's move on. That, that, by the way, that was the 5% R-rated part of our message today. Uh, Luda. The Greek word luda. Has anybody ever heard of this kind of love? Luda love. That's kind of fun to say, isn't it? Luda love. And you know what? It works. It's like an onomatopoeia. And I never thought I would say that word in a sermon. But luda love is flirty love. Oh, now I got the junior hires' attention. I got everybody's attention. Luda love is flirty love. You know, you're not really committing to Eros, but you're having a little fun. You know, you're sashaying through some, some, some opportunities to test the waters a little bit. That's Luda love. Now isn't it fascinating, we only have one word. And yet we've covered a gamut in three words. We've covered a, covered a gamut of different things. Philia, F-H-I-L-I-A love and many of you bible scholars out there have heard about this that this is uh uh connected to uh, also phileo um it's sacrificial love it's love between brothers it's a closeness it's brotherly love phil the city of philadelphia right it's named after this greek word and it's this idea of sacrifice loyalty friendship the kind of love that you have that's a deep affectionate love for a friend Now, for many of us in church, we've gotten our three, haven't we? Agape, Eros, and Phileo or Philea, right? And we got a bonus one, Luda. Which some of us are really excited about that whole idea. Now here comes some more bonus. Pragma. What do you think, pragma? The Greek word pragma might fit with it sounds like one of our english words doesn't it pragmatic pragmatism this is the idea of commitment that love is demonstrated by long enduring commitment this is the kind of love that you see and is exemplified by those who have walked through storms together and have made it pragma love and the last one which each of you should really be interested in Is called phileutia, and it's the love of oneself. And it can be either bad or good. It's the love of oneself. So we have these six ideas or concepts of love. For the most part, when we're looking at 1 Corinthians 3, it's not actually even the most part. The love that they're talking about is agape love. It's agape love. And the, the reality here is that if we were to practice this kind of love in our romantic relationships, you see, the other comes pretty simply, doesn't it? Luda love comes very simply. Eros love comes very simply. Philia love comes somewhat uh, simply. Um, I just shut off my notes here. Thank you. But the other, agape, We have to work at it. We have to work at it. And it is agape love that actually gives us the ability to experience the depth and the brevity of a legacy of love. But Paul starts out talking about what love isn't. And so I want to show one more video here. Let's go ahead and watch this real quickly. And you'll get the message of, and we're going to kind of set up what Paul's saying love isn't. Now, how would I answer that? That's very sobering. And I specifically took the time to show that video because not many of us speak with the tongues of angels. So we may not be able to relate to what Paul's saying in these first few verses. But remember, love is a legacy. That there's something powerful when love is connected to an action. And that this is what Paul is saying. That I can do so many things, and many of us have been on the other end or the result of somebody trying to do something for us, but there was no love involved in it whatsoever. So it carried no gravitas, it carried no emphasis, it never pitched its tent in our heart. It had no remaining quality. The highest remaining quality that I can give to you as a demonstration is as you look at this symbol that's all around the world, that this is a symbol of love. That when you see this action, it's not just a couple cross beams of wood intersecting and thrown up on a wall. It has significance, doesn't it? Because no greater love Exists than what? Than someone lay down their life for a friend. No greater love. Do you want what you do to have a lasting legacy? If that's the case, do it with love. And there's a crazy side benefit to this then when we do those things with love, the result, the ending result, is that all of these squabbles that were happening within the church at Corinth that Paul was trying to fix, they tend to work themselves out. Because agape love requires that we think, that we prioritize, that we place others way above ourselves. And if we have a, a difficulty understanding that, Let me just again reference the most powerful image I can give you. This demonstrates putting others above self to the highest level. So let's look at what this means. Without love. It says, without love I'm a noisy gong or a cymbal. (laughs) So, I just make noise. Have you ever had somebody in love promise you something and never follow through? Guess what? Next time that person makes a promise, they're a noisy what? Gong or symbol. You're just irritating. If you can do these great things, but you don't have any love whatsoever, it's like the realization is this person's walking this and you think that they're going to walk it to the mailbox to have a significance. And in my mind, what that was saying, what that was a metaphor is that in that journey, when they're looking and you're thinking about these thoughts, all of a sudden there's a realization there's nothing behind this letter. This is a waste of time. That's not a romantic relationship. And the end result was not to mail it. It was to throw it away because it's worthless. He also says what? He says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to move, remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. So I can do these incredible things, but if I don't have love, it is worthless. It is pointless. It is just a non-sequitur task. Then he goes on and again he says, if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. My influence will be pointless. What a tragedy all pretty stuck on this issue of the power of love isn't he and so there's legacy that's involved here let's look at it number 1 love is patient love is patient true love agape love godlike love is that which will take and take and take and take and take the difficulties of life and absorb It's almost like you have to picture your heart as a sponge. Patience. Patience. Love is kind. You know, we can drive down to Mexico, give up an entire weekend, travel close to 700 miles... Don't shower a whole lot. Don't get a whole lot of sleep. Smash our fingers with hammers. And pretty much be a wreck for the next four days once we're home. But we can kind of feel good about that, that what we've done is we have provided a house for someone that needed a house. But here's the fascinating thing. Those who truly are changed by an event like that, by participating in that, are those that did it out of love. Because their love was kind. Their love was kind. They demonstrated kindness. Love does not envy. Now here's the interesting thing, is he shifts in what he's doing now. He's going back to this idea of what is love not, right? Love does not envy or boast. Now, hang on, Paul. How many of us currently in our romantic relationships are experiencing that? Um, I do know one couple that they play video games together, and it's not very healthy. It just—it's not, because she will get up when she wins, like at Pac-Man or what—I don't know what whatever they're playing. Right? She'll jump up and she'll, in your face, right? I guess that's how it could apply today, that love does not boast or love is not envious. Now, here's a reality that you're out to dinner with friends or you're on a a date, maybe. And all you do is talk about yourself. How appealing is that? Or because the other person has more going on, you just shut down. You wish you could be somebody else for this person. You wish you could be that person. When we're locked into agape love, all of that fades away. There's no room for it. And in actuality, it frees us to have the right kind of love. Love does not envy. It does not boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Now that could be like 14 weeks of counseling right there with people. Love is not arrogant or rude. Um, Let me just encourage you that James says that you can't get briny water. And what do we mean by briny water? My uncle is a scientist right here. He's a biologist. Uh, Paul, what would be briny water? Salty water. Not the kind that you would drink necessarily, right? Okay, so you can't get fresh water and salt water from the same source. So if we are consumed with giving out that which is good, that which helps, guess what we cannot do? We cannot be arrogant. We cannot be rude. If we are consumed with lifting up the other person, and by the way, this is all writing to our legacy. It's not flowers and pithy statements. It's about where will you be at the end? What legacy will you have written? How will you get through the challenges that you're facing? And what will be said about you? It's not arrogant. It's not rude. What else about love? It does not insist on its own way. You know, when it comes to Jesus Christ, that's how we are often. I know I am. I probably gave up five prayers today about this service based off of what I wanted to happen in it. Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this. Can you please make sure that it happens? Instead of, Lord, you know all, you see all, you understand what's going on within people's lives. And so I'm going to hand this over to you and you do with it as you see fit and open my eyes so that I can walk with you in that. How much more powerful? How much more of a legacy? We didn't have prayer scheduled today like I gave up prayer, but that was because that's what God asked me to do. And that's how we'll try to do our services here. Love is not irritable or resentful. How many of you have love is not angry in your scriptures? I think the NASB or the NIV says that. I like this translation about it being irritable or resentful because you know what? I can control for the most part anger, except when the angels lose fifteen to three. <laughs> then everybody should leave the house for a long time. I can get past anger most time, but ask anybody in my family if I can get past irritability. Irritability is my third name. Thank you, Alan. I'm serious irritability, I those small you could drive a truck through my house, right through all of my musical instruments, and I would sit there and say, Huh. But if I keep trying to tune on a new string onto my guitar and it keeps snapping and I don't know why, I'm gonna start yelling and throwing things. I get so irritated at small things. Can anybody relate to that? Now what happens when I do that with my relationships that I say I love? Man, love is not irritable. <laughs> and when I see my family, when I see those around me that I care deeply about and that I want to truly love, when I see them with the eyes of Christ, those things melt, don't they? They melt. Well, the challenge for me is to love with agape love. And if I'm doing that, my legacy will not be my children standing at my memorial service and saying... Yeah, Dad had uh, you know the big problem was small things. Hopefully, I've got at least another ten years left of me. I can turn that one around. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Do you know that this is one of the best things for marriage counseling? Most counseling happens because of challenges with expectations and broken expectations or unmet expectations create conflict and then conflict shuts down communication. Everybody thinks the problem with marriage is communication. No, no, no. It happened way back here. Now, who gets to say what's right? In your romantic relationship? you hear that? It's the sound of air molecules bouncing off each other. That only happens when y'all are thinking deeply about something and God might be moving. Here's what Paul discovered. That if you focus on what God has set up to be right, and that becomes the expectation, guess what? You start to avoid all these little irritations because it's not opinion versus opinion. That love prefers the other person. Love sacrifices for the other person. Jesus demonstrated that for us, didn't He? Tell me what is right about God Himself sending His perfect Son to die for those who will mock Him, crucify Him, reject Him, spit on Him. What is right about that? That sounds a little loopy in my book. Tell you what's right about it is that god determined that and in his infinite love in his infinite sacrifice and the glory of his character in spite of what is wrong in spite of sin in spite of men's selfishness god said i'm going to love in spite of that i'm going to rejoice and i'm going to follow through in what is true what is good what is right and it is only because of that That we are offered freedom and salvation. So, this morning, my question is this What is a romantic relationship? I don't think it's pithy statements and roses. I think it's what you write down through your actions through love every day with those you care about deeply. Or even those that you eventually will care about. Or those that you used to care about. Romantic love is definitely connected to the idea that love is legacy. I'm going to finish with a video today to give you a picture of what this is. And then... um, And then we'll close with a song. This is what I want you to realize. This is what I want you to picture. This is what I want you to take away with today. That love is a legacy. And this kind of love that you're going to see is the most romantic I could possibly imagine. And there's a reason why. Because everything that we've just read out of 1 Corinthians 13 speaks to this in this video. Let's go ahead and finish watching
3: I don't count it a burden whatever to have to care for her, I, I need to do everything from the moment she gets up to the moment she goes to bed, I do absolutely everything, uh, clean her teeth, uh, shower, dress, everything, And um, but it's, it's a privilege, I count it a great privilege to, to care for this one that I've loved all of these years and continue to love. This is the year where we'll celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Our stories have been a a lovely story. I first saw her when she was eight years old and her brother became my best friend. We grew up together and as we grew up, yeah, she was there. And I knew that she used to stare at me when I was playing footy with with her brother and uh, another friend. And when we used to ride bikes and she kept staring at me, but I wasn't interested. I was 17, she was 16. I saw her dolled up, dressed up, and she had an A-line dress on and boom it was gone, uh, she was the one for me then, absolutely. (laughs) When we first started uh, dating, I used to ride my bike from where I lived to where she was and that was about five kilometers on a Saturday afternoon because it was the only chance we had to get together and uh, it was hair wash day for her and she used a special cream in her hair for a shampoo, and I can still smell it, because that smell was so particular, so nice, it was just absolutely special. We had a bike. I used to ride everywhere on my bike, and then Dad had a bike as well, and we put a, a baby chair on the front of her bike, and so we carried our babies around on the bike with her as well. So yeah, bike's been part of our lives, and I guess that has something to do with us now. Around about 2004, 5 I began to notice uh, that there were things going wrong. She was finally diagnosed with uh, the horrible disease of Alzheimer's. Having lived overseas I knew that with a bike you can do lots of things. So I had a bike made, a bike chair made. We take it to the beach and ride along beside the beach. And as we do that, we see lots of people lots of people come talk to us because it's a unique thing. Nobody else has got a bite to you quite like that one. I am determined to care for her every need, every need. You see, God has loved us so unconditionally. And I understand that God has put his love in my heart. And because I realize how much God has loved me, that's how I too can love my lovely wife. She has done so much for me over all of these years. Now she can't, but I can, and I can return her love. Uh, And it's a love that, uh, well, to me, means I can do everything for her. She's my princess. I'm her William. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Would you have it any other way? No, not at all. We love each other.